And we're back with vaccine researcher and physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. And Dr. Gorfinkel also wanted to touch on uh, adolescents being uh, vaccinated as well, because we know the third wave is certainly hit to younger people uh, harder than the uh, first two waves. But uh, what is the latest when it comes to vaccinating younger people? So the trial done by Pfizer in the United States looked at some 2,200 adolescents between the ages 12 and 15, because don't forget the vaccine is already approved for those over the age of 16, we're talking Pfizer only. And what they found is that those who had received the placebo had all the cases. We're talking symptomatic cases. Those who actually got the Pfizer vaccine had no cases. And therefore, they've claimed this is 100% effective, which it appears to be. And on top of it, adolescents had a very strong immune response when they measured antibodies. So that's all very encouraging. And it was for that reason that Health Canada turned around and said, we're going to be the first country to okay it. Now, just yesterday, the FDA has also granted emergency use authorization for kids. And why that is so incredibly important is because kids, they don't get sick. They don't get sick themselves, rarely. In fact, according to Public Health Agency of Canada data, they account for only 2%, less than 2% of the hospitalizations. And fortunately, there have only been 11 deaths in people under the age of 19 since the start of the pandemic in Canada. That's not the problem. The problem is they transmit it. And especially when it comes to the B117 variant, children transmit it to the very same degree as do adults. And that's why they play such an important role in our vaccination efforts, especially because we have mostly B117, which is far more transmissible. And on top of it, people are more contagious for a longer time. So that's why it's so critical that kids adolescents get vaccinated. Now, Moderna and Pfizer are also produced, they're doing clinical trials for much younger children. We're talking those between the ages six months and 11 years. Those are ongoing, but results from those trials are not expected until early of 2022. All right. Just how key is this doctor when it comes to a return to school, a a safe return to in-class learning, getting uh, adolescents, uh, younger people vaccinated? It's tremendously important. Consider for a moment that only 50% of children with have symptoms. So that's a big problem. And because they're asymptomatic so much of the time, and we do not have enough rapid tests to go around for every child in every school every week, that's just, we just don't have that. So what will happen is that if the child is unvaccinated, they potentially represent a real vector, like they could spread the disease to family members who are vulnerable. And we're, you know, that's a big concern because we've already seen that the B117 has in ICU admissions that are very different than the original variant. So the original variant, yeah, the people winding up in hospital were much older, but that's not the case for the B117 variant. And for every single case that happens, every single new case, it represents a potential for the mutation of the virus yet again. So we could have even more variants. So that's a big problem. We have to keep those case numbers way down. All right. And that is big news on that front. Also big news and breaking this afternoon is a new report out from something known as the Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response. 
And Dr. Gorfinkel, they say the worst of the pandemic could have been prevented if we'd only acted sooner. You know, it's like 2020 hindsight. That's so easy to say. But it's like Carl Sagan says, there are billions and billions of stars. You have all these data points. How is a person to actually know which of those data points is going to become the next pandemic? The, the likelihood of that is actually very, very low. And that's why you have all of these world health experts saying, oh, it's not going to be that. And I'll add myself to that list and eat that humble pie big time because I was one of those people. And I said, oh, it probably won't be, or it'll be another flu. Why? Because in my entire lifetime, I had never seen it. And this is one of the very biases that the World Health Organization is hoping to fight. And how do they fight the bias to not act? They send teams that are fully transparent at all times, that investigate outbreaks, that in fact are subject to peer review and hopefully expand global efforts to the tune of $100 billion to develop vaccines faster. And I hear what you're saying that hindsight is 2020, but part of this 86 page report that has been released today says that COVID-19 is the 21st century's Chernobyl moment, that the system as it stands now is clearly unfit to prevent another novel or highly infectious pathogen, which could emerge at any time from developing into a pandemic. So do we need to take a bit of a hard look as to uh, how we originally uh, reacted to this uh, pandemic right around the world in order to uh, prevent another uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic from occurring? I think the challenge is not in necessarily saying we should do that. Absolutely, we should do that. The greater challenge will be maintaining that philosophy. Because guess what? Years may go by yet again. That's exactly what happened before. You know, years go by and then people get complacent. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen again. But you know what? That virus can always jump from an animal to a human. And it frequently happens but it infrequently happens that it turns into a world emergency. And that's exactly what happened with this. It's very hard to predict it. So what that means is constantly funding the World Health Organization to do with this and not to become complacent or assume that it will never happen because that's the temptation. The temptation is always, it was yesteryear's problem. It's not today's problem. And listen, uh, this may be or may not be out of your purview, but uh, one of the things that they are recommending is that instead of the World Health Organization, we should create a, a new division, a Global Health Threats Council endorsed by the UN to elevate pandemic preparedness and uh, response, get response at the highest level level of political leadership. Do you think we're at that point where we really need uh, a body that is endorsed uh, worldwide that can really look at the potential of uh, pandemics uh, emerging in the future? I think it is out of the purview of this little GP in yep. Toronto <laughs> vaccine researcher's mind. I really do. I got to own that. You know, what we want, though, is a system that does not have skin in the game in terms of something to lose or gain based on what the report is. That was and remains a serious bias. So what is science? Science is supposed to be running after truth. And if there's political motivators that go against that truth, then that's a serious problem, especially when you're talking about a pandemic. 
So whether that body turns out to be the World Health Organization, it's already in place, it already has funding. There's a lot of things that you know I think would argue in its favor rather than starting from scratch. But again, like what does a GP in Toronto know about that? I better stay in my lane. <laughs> well, I would not say that. Oh, we <laughs> always appreciate uh, your expertise, your insight, and certainly your time. Dr. Gorfinkel, thanks as always. Many thanks. Always a pleasure. All right. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher with us each and every Wednesday.